everyone. I'm John Short, Senior Director of Apprenticeship and Career Development with NetAmerica. This morning, we are excited to host a panel discussion on the issue of transportation and apprenticeship. One of the biggest reasons apprentices do not complete an apprenticeship program is a lack of reliable transportation. Consider the example of an apprentice whose car breaks down on the way to the job. After calling the supervisor to say he or she won't be at work because of the breakdown, call is made to the towing company and then the car repair shop. If the apprentice is lucky, the car may be fixed that week. Now the apprentice has lost wages, pays for a tow truck, pays for the repair of the vehicle, and still has to figure out how to get to the job while the vehicle is being repaired. The good news is that there are resources available to the apprentice to get to the job site. The bad news is he or she probably does not know these resources are available. And the employer may not know these resources are available either. That is where apprenticeship sponsors and apprenticeship intermediaries can help. For example, youth apprenticeship intermediary contractors can help pay for transportation for youth apprentices through their US Department of Labor Office of Apprenticeship Contracts. In this session, you will hear from our panel of experts and apprentices, not only about the issues surrounding transportation, but also some solutions to overcome this barrier. I'm honored to introduce our moderator, Beth Brinley. Beth is a vice president in the Human Services Division Workforce Program Area at American Institutes for Research, or AIR. Her primary responsibilities include providing leadership, strategic direction, and innovative thinking with staff managing AIR's workforce development system portfolio. Beth has significant experience leading large planning initiatives for local, state, and regional workforce, education, and economic development collaboratives. She has also provided vocational rehabilitation and other supports for individuals with disabilities and opportunity youth. With that, I'm handing it over to you, Beth. Thanks so much, John, and welcome, everybody. It's my pleasure to moderate such an impressive group of panelists representing different perspectives on our topic of transportation and apprenticeship. Please join me in welcoming Bhavani Arabandi, a research associate in the Center of Labor, Human Services, and Population at the Urban Institute. Also joining us, Vanessa Bennett, an Associate Director at uh, Jobs for the Future. Uh, then Kevin Kersdell, and I should say my Kentucky twang may be butchering a few of the last names, so my apologies, um, who is the Interim Department Head for Kentucky, I mean for Kentucky, excuse me, for Business Development and Education for Middlesex County in New Jersey. Also joining us is Ken Milnes, the West Virginia State Director of Registered Apprenticeship, and then Katani Kearney, a, dentist, a dental assistant at Lotus Smiles in Jersey City, and an alumna of the UCC Youth Build Program. And then finally, Pharrell Wilson, who is currently a student at the UCC Youth Build Program and the Construction Training Program. I'm so glad you all could join us. Looking forward to a great conversation. And I think John already talked a little bit about why this topic is so very important. But why is transportation an important topic with apprentices and apprenticeship? It really is quite simple. 
Most people don't live close enough to their jobs to, to walk to work, right? And so let's start this morning's conversation with a question that really focuses in on what are some of the issues with transportation in urban versus rural challenges? And Vanessa, if you wouldn't mind getting us started, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Beth. It's great to be here with everybody today. Um, and I, I, you know, I appreciate this question. I think it's really important to acknowledge that transportation is a challenge across every community, um, you know, and how we address transportation and, and the challenges that it can present to apprentices, I think really requires us to understand what it looks like community by community and to take a place-based approach when we can. Um, you know, there are things that, there are issues that I think every geography experiences the rising cost of gas prices, the cost of insurance, car repairs, purchasing a vehicle. Those are all challenges that can impact an apprentice's ability to access reliable and consistent transportation. Um, and then there are things that I think are the same across communities, but they sort of manifest differently. So public transportation is a really good example of this. In a lot of our major metro areas, there's some form of public transportation infrastructure available. <laughs> it's a subway, it's a bus, um, you know, there's something that you could potentially tap into. But what tends to be the challenge for a lot of individuals can be the cost of accessing that transportation. You know, when you have metro prices that are, are running you $125 a month, that's no small amount of money. Um, and if that's your only way to get to and from your RTI provider or your training site or your employer, you know, that's a big barrier. In, in rural communities, on the other hand, they have kind of the added challenge around public transportation of just not having that infrastructure. And so that's one less resource that an apprentice can draw on. It's one less resource that a sponsor or an employer can tap into. So I think, you know, just sort of setting the stage around transportation being a consistent challenge in all communities, but really for, for sponsors and employers and for, you know, those of us on the phone that are practitioners, having to think about what that means in each community, because the solution isn't always going to be the same. Some great points there, Vanessa. Anybody else want to chime in on this question? Thank you, Beth. I think I can chime in here a little bit. Um, thanks for having me on this uh, panel. And just to add to what Vanessa has talked about in terms of both cost and infrastructure issues that we need to consider for transportation challenges. Um, at Urban Institute, we, we did a report last night, uh, last year, um, about rural apprenticeships for young people. And we looked at four programs. We looked at the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, IBEW, um, which is um, also called Local 1253 in Maine. It operates uh, one of 114 registered programs in Maine. We also looked at the Tohono Autumn Community College, um, which is an accredited two-year tribal college serving uh, the Tohono Autumn Nation, a federally recognized uh, tribe in Arizona. And they enrolled about 60 apprentices in eight different occupational spe uh, specialties in the building trades. Um, our third program that we looked at was the Four Rivers Career Center in Missouri, Washington, Washington, Missouri, rather, um, that supported 44 apprentices across 29 employers. And the last one we looked at was Double G um, Farms in Mississippi. It's a 20-acre farm in southeastern Mississippi. And I'll highlight a couple of programs that had acute challenges, especially in rural areas. 
For example, in Arizona, the, the nation occupies about nearly um, 3 million acres along Arizona's south, southern border, and it's the third largest reservation in the United States. It's spread wide and thin, and few own working cars. Many rely on a combination of walking, hitchhiking, and carpooling to reach people, uh, to reach school and various job sites. As with any program that you know, works with young people, this community college finds it challenging to ensure that all apprentices show up reliably, reliably, uh, reliably and on time. Without any this kind of reliable transport, you know, to and from classroom and the work sites and everything, this becomes really, really challenging for them. Um, for IBEW, you know, in Maine, they work across, you know, one of the most, um, it's one of the most rural states in the country. And their territory runs across, you know, approximately half of Maine, which makes driving to job sites tedious and time consuming, and sometimes even treacherous for many apprentices. Um, so while they were able to transit, you know, uh, move um, and pivot um, all their educational, you know, training, RTI training to online, um, traveling to job sites was still a part of that program. Um, and lack of public transportation only worsens right, this problem. The apprenticeship manager told us that one of the younger apprentices travels to a job that is 70 miles away from him. And he could make a lot more money because they're doing overtime and all kinds of things, but he knows that his car might not make it. So this also makes it very hard to recruit apprentices from rural areas, right? Because of the distance between an apprentice's home, classroom, and work. Thank you for that, uh, Bhavani. Anyone else want to comment on this particular question? think that you've highlighted some of the key issues, right? The place-based solutions, you know, the cost of transportation um, and covering uh, rural communities in particular, having to get innovative and in how you figure out how you're going to get to that, to that uh, job opportunity or the RTI. And let me say from personal experience that, you know, I've traveled in Maine professionally and it is time consuming and it is, can be very treacherous. So thank you both, uh, Vanessa and Bhavani for your insights here. Let me switch a little bit and talk about the impact on transportation access and how profound it is for our apprentices and employers alike. Therefore, um, Kevin, I would like you to speak a little bit to what are some of the challenges you all have heard about or seen in your profession. So, Kevin, I'll toss that to you first, and then others can feel free to chime in. Sure. Thank you very much, uh, Beth. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. Um, I, you know, I was thinking before I got on the call today that, uh, you know, two years ago, uh, you know, an event like this probably would not be run virtually. And it's amazing, you know, two years later, how our world has changed. And certainly that uh, is also applicable to transportation. But from a, from a workforce development board standpoint, um, my workforce development board is uh, located in central New Jersey, Middlesex County. And I often look at us uh, from a transportation perspective as, as the tale of two regions. 
regions, right? We have the northern part of our county, which is fairly urban, uh, densely populated, and, and it has a, a pretty robust uh, public transportation system, right? But you move uh, down south to the southern part of our county, uh, where we have a significant transportation logistics and distribution uh, corridor of warehouses. If anybody's ever traveled on the New Jersey Turnpike, you go through exit 8A, you see nothing but warehouses there, right? And the challenge is that we often can't get people from the northern part of the county to the southern part of the county. You would think that in, in a state like you know, geographically the size of New Jersey, that would not be an issue, but we see that right in our county. So um, when you're talking about whether it be an apprenticeship program or really any sort of workforce development program, um, typically we see transportation always being synonymous with job creation, with training. Um, and sometimes it's difficult, you know, we can utilize some of our funds to provide supports individually to people who are receiving services through uh, WIOA programs. But the challenge there is that if you're trying to scale something a little bit bigger, uh, for like an apprenticeship program where we have a group of students going through or perhaps we're doing a, uh, a training program where we have dislocated or adult uh, job seekers going through a program. It's hard sometimes to do that group transportation. And so um, one of the things that we're doing in our board is that we're looking to create public-private partnerships. If a business comes to us and says, you know, we want to hire some of your people, but we have a gap with transportation, possibly getting somebody to the site, or there might be a gap between uh, the closest bus stop in their location, um, there's always interest in creating uh, different transportation options. And um, unfortunately, you know, this can't really be something that is solely the responsibility of, of, uh, of the public sector, uh, especially in the workforce system. So um, we, we're we're always trying to uh, spur the discussion on creating public-private partnerships regarding transportation. And, uh, you know, in our county, um, we've embarked on a, uh, a master plan, which is called Destination 2040. We have a whole section in there dedicated to transportation. Um, and, you know, a little bit later, I'm going to talk about some of the technological advances uh, in transportation as well that may um, be one of the solutions to the issue when you talk about transportation. But certainly if an apprentice uh, is participating in a program and they're eligible for WIOA services, uh, we can provide supports to them. And it's important to know that because sometimes um, there are individuals that don't know they may be eligible for, for uh, WIOA services, especially when you're looking at our youth programs. Uh, you know, we serve youth between the ages of 16 and 24. And certainly um, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of them are in, uh, you know, a lot of the apprenticeships are in that or apprentices are in that age group. So we want to make sure that we're putting the resources into the hands of individuals. But transportation is not, um, you know, I don't want people on this conference to think that it's unique just to apprenticeship. It's, it's a workforce development issue and certainly a Apprenticeship is a major part of that, and I think as we talk about trying to solve the problem uh, with work in in the workforce development industry, we will come up with um, more solutions for apprenticeships and also getting people who are harder to serve into employment opportunities and, and getting them the transportation uh, that they need. That's such a good point, Kevin. It truly is an equity issue across all social service programs, and uh, so thank you for raising that. Um, other folks have something they want to share on this topic. If not, it might be a great opportunity for Vanessa to share something in particular in regard to a public-private partnership that uh, she knows a little bit about. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've had the the great privilege of working in the Shenandoah Valley for the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, I recently learned about a really fantastic public-private partnership that they have with a local nonprofit called Way to Go out of Harrisonburg. So Harrisonburg um, is a little bit more of a city, although Shenandoah Valley itself is a fairly rural region. Um, and what they what they did was through public dollars and, and grant funding and uh, donations, the whole mission of Way to Go is to basically purchase individual vehicles. They rehab and refurbish these vehicles so that they are road ready. And then they work with a network of partnerships to create a referral system. So they work with the Department of Aging and Rehabilitation, the Shenandoah Valley Workforce Development Board, um, the adult education programs in the community. And through this referral network, they can help connect individuals to those personal vehicles and they donate those vehicles to individuals and their families so that they have access to reliable personal transportation to get to and from work. Um, what they also offer is funding to support individuals with covering costs of car insurance, repairs, uh, even gas. So again, trying to reduce those financial barriers. What's really great about this partnership is that it's it's beneficial to those who live outside of Harrisonburg. Harrisonburg does have a bus system, um, but it's really kind of anchored by the college. And so once you get outside of the city limits into those more rural areas, you don't have that option. So this has really helped to serve those individuals and keep them connected to work. Um, I'll flag another uh, partnership that I, I think is really valuable and of interest, a Youth Build program that I worked with in a previous life when I was with Youth Build USA, they actually partnered with their uh, mayor's office and Department of Public Transportation to create a dedicated bus line to their pre-apprenticeship program. So that bus line only covered communities where pre-apprentices were coming from, and it had a dedicated route, you know, at the start of the day and at the end of the day. And what that did was for some, some young people who were coming from many, many, many miles away, it cut the commute time to and from the program by almost 45 minutes. So it was providing dedicated transportation, and it was also just supporting uh, their ability to show up to that program and participate, you know, not traveling 90 minutes each way, saving that time so they were well rested. You know, that was a really creative way to address not just transportation, but sort of these other things that can crop up as a result of, of transportation barriers. And addressing the reverse transportation out of metro into suburban areas and rural areas is really an important thing to think about as mm -hmm. we're trying to help our employers have the talent pipeline they need and the opportunities for young apprenticeships apprentices to get engaged. Thank you, Vanessa. Does anybody else have a public-private partnership you might want to highlight um, in addressing the transportation challenges? So I, so I don't have one to highlight, but I, I just want to add to what Vanessa said. Um, previously, when I was speaking about uh, we owe a funding used for support services, it certainly can um, assist with, uh, you know, car repairs, insurance, gasoline, um, those types of things. And, you know, sometimes I think we lose sight of the fact when we talk about transportation, um, you know, a lot of times it's you know, our focus automatically goes on public transportation, but uh, getting a vehicle to somebody also creates, you know, it creates, uh, I, I think, a, a clearer mindset. It, it helps individuals have that pride of ownership. And as you said, it's more convenient, right? And, th and that individual who gets a car could possibly start um, transporting others to the program too, or create carpooling um, scenarios and things like that. So I, I just say that, uh, you know, when we talk about the supports that we can fund through WIOA programs, um, definitely automobile repair, car insurance, and things like that are, are something that we can also support. Yeah, 
and carpooling is a great strategy. Some have established fleets of vans or buses that are, are supporting those efforts. Um, really uh, being an advocate, you know, all of you being an advocate with sponsors around supporting transportation costs become a really important thing. And and also considering adapting your training models and delivery methods so that you minimize the amount of transportation that has to occur. All of those, I think, are really important things for public-private partnerships to take into consideration to support, uh, uh, to support that. And employers, I think, are thrilled to be part of the solution. So don't be afraid to ask and to collaborate uh, along those lines. So I want to make a, a shift now in our conversation and talk a little bit about funding opportunities for transportation. Um, Ken, um, given your experience, I think you probably have a few thoughts for folks along those lines. Oh, you're muted, Ken. Ken, you're muted. Okay, I got it. Anyways, <laughs> the funding opportunities for uh, apprenticeship has been, in the last four or five years, been coming real strong now. And this is probably going to be the one of the biggest year of all fundings. The for people to file for funding opportunities, they have to follow the uh, the grant opportunities on the government website, and you know they have to meet the minimum qualifications like partnerships and what other organizations are going to be involved in different things to that effect. But you know it's exciting time for us in OA to you know to work with the funding and grant grantees that, you know, we can help set them up and educate them on registered apprenticeship. Um, it's like I said, for the transportation industry, it came out about six months ago or so, uh, you know, come from down from the national office and, and, uh, and out to the communities. And it was a, a like a shotgun, a shotgun approach to, you know, to get these uh, transportation companies to uh, participate in apprenticeship. And it, we had a high success of that, you know, with all the opportunities that came out and, and what uh, the, some of the shortages was uh, for truck drivers and, and that were uh, answered through the grants and then through the funding opportunities. But the funding opportunities, as we see it now, uh, they like uh, mentioned earlier that there was a grant opportunity that just came down and uh, a few days ago. And, you know, it's going to affect a lot of different industries and uh, to that effect. And, you know, it just it's it's exciting for me. And in the 35 years that I've been on board, the funding opportunities was slim to none up until about four or five years ago. Now there's funding coming down. And that's, you know, from the, uh, the national office down to the local areas. So and. You know, it's just exciting and uh, hopefully everybody can take advantage of it, you know, but you got to be prepared. And if if you know somebody in OA, you know, you can always contact them in your local area to uh, find out if there's anything coming down the pikes or go on their website of grant.gov. Um, so, you know. Thank you. Thank you for that, Ken. And, and I know there are some non-traditional places to look, especially around health apprenticeship, to support both pre-apprenticeship and apprenticeship. Think about the National Science Foundation. Think about HRSA. 
uh, think about uh, WIOA, TANF ENT programs, SNAP ENT programs. There are a lot of places to braid and leverage resources. Does anybody else on the panel want to talk about some places that we might not have thought about that could provide resources and support around this, this uh, topic? Yeah, if I can just jump in, Beth, I think another partner that we don't always think about an apprenticeship um, are our economic development agencies and commissions in our communities. You know, they can sometimes be like that convener of local business. They're bringing the employers into the community, but they also have access to a lot of funding or to they have the ability to sort of have those conversations with employers at the outset around here's what we need you to have in place to support our existing workforce. And so they can be a really great partner to talk to about how do you fund transportation solutions? Where is there money that's flexible that you can use to do this? And how do you have this conversation with employers who want to solve this challenge, but maybe don't know how to solve this challenge? Such a great point, Vanessa. Thank you for adding that. And, and really, the, the opportunities are immense across the federal uh, landscape and the state landscape uh, to help address these types of challenges. And community, community foundations are another great resource to think about. So I want to make another pivot. And this time I want to share, I want the our wonderful panelists who are experienced apprentices um, to talk a little bit about what these opportunities have meant for them, maybe share some of their transportation experiences and the benefits of the supports that they've received and why it's so important to help overcome this transportation um, barrier, if you will. And Katana, I think I'll start with you and then Pharrell, I'll come to you after that. So Katana, would you like to share? Um, so as part of my me being part of the program at UCC, I have to do a dental assistant apprenticeship. So my internship was at Jersey City. And in order to get to school and to work, I usually have to pay like $10 a day because I take three buses and I have to take the train back and back home. But at UCC, they give us stipends and bus tickets, so therefore I can get on the bus for free. And the stipends they cover and the additional transportation costs, because sometimes if the train is derailed or the buses don't come on schedule, I have to pay like $20 for Uber to get to work. So with the stipend, it helps me save money and cover like any transportation I have to spend on throughout the day. $200 a month makes a big difference, right? It does. Yeah. Appreciate it. Pharrell, anything you'd like to share about your experience? Oh, Pharrell, we're we're not hearing you. And I know you've unmuted, so I'm not sure what the what the challenge may be. Oh, the joys of technology. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know if anybody has been involved. I don't know if the, the Perel and Katina has been in, involved in pre-apprenticeships, but the pre-apprenticeship uh, is a great model to expand into apprenticeship. And there's some funding out there that will include pre-apprenticeship programs through the community technical colleges or to community technical education facilities. You know, there's a lot of things going on in that area. Yeah. 
Thanks for sharing, Ken. Let's see if we've got your sound working now, Pharrell. Hmm. Oh, darn. Doesn't sound like it's, it's still working. Maybe Honestly, we can I feel like back. the program giving us bus tickets. Oh, I heard we heard you there about bus tickets. Let's see if Can you hear me now. Yes. Oh, darn, we've lost you again. So That's, I can jump in here a little okay. bit with sure. um, our own experience. Yeah, at Urban Institute, we do research as um, you know, several of you know, uh, we also help support um, <coughs> employer, our employer partners with uh, starting apprenticeship programs. But we are really happy to share and so excited that we ourselves hire um, you know, uh, employer youth apprentice starting last year. So we worked with CareerWise um, uh, DC and CityWorks to hire a senior from a DC public schools. Um, and she's been with us um, since, um, since September. And Erica is delightful to work with. But, and she used to come into the office about four times a week um, you know, after school. So she did a first portion of school time in the morning. And in the afternoon, she would come to the office for about three hours. Um, but in November, I'm not sure if you remember, folks in the DC area, uh, Metro ran into issues with, um, you know, 60% of its tra trains taken off um, the service <clears throat> for repairs that left 40% of the trains, and these are shorter trains. So, um, and to be, you know, go on with um, unemployment and um, folks leaving the jobs as well. Um, drivers were in short, um, you know, supply as well, but both the Metro trains and the buses. So all in all, it contributed to Erica um, pivoting to remote for a long time from November to uh, February, which we were, you know, we helped us set things up and we communicated constantly. So it was great. Uh, but we wanted to see her in the office. So um, from March onwards, we said, OK, how about coming in once a week? And we worked with CareerWise DC to get her an Uber card. Um, so she comes in once a week and uses Uber to get from school to to um, Urban's offices in um, um, in L'Enfant Plaza in DC. So that has been amazing, and um, for both both Erica and us, that we get to see her in person once a week. Thank you so much for sharing that, Bhavani. And it just goes to show things do occur and we do have to pivot and get creative. And we have Pharrell back. So let's see, Pharrell, would you like to share a little bit about your experience? Can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, but I was saying, like, I feel like the program giving us bus tickets is help because not only are we able to get to and from school because they give us bus tickets to get to and from school. But also it just shows that the program actually cares like about us and about our transportation situations. That they would go as far as like giving us enough bus tickets to get to them from school. So yeah. So important. Thank you for sharing that. And it it is, it's an empowering thing and it it's almost a, a vote of confidence, right? That that you have something very important to contribute to the workplace. Um, and we're so thankful and and celebrate your your uh, career that you've started in the dental assistant field. So thanks so much. 
Um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about any um, other perspectives that folks have around, you know, what happens in a metro area when your transportation um, gets derailed and, and some of the causes of the problems around that. Um, I think Bhavani gave a really great example where they took 60% of the, the uh, metro cars off the line in metro DC. Anybody else have any other situations that they have, have, are aware of uh, in other metro uh communities and strategies for resolving those challenges. I know in Philadelphia at one point there was a bus strike our, and, and a SEPTA, which was the regional rail system and subway system. And so when they did that, uh, the students really struggled to be able to participate in their apprenticeship programs and, and folks got creative. You know, at that time, I, I don't, so I'm aging myself here. I don't think Lyft and Uber and, and some of the share uh, riding opportunities were there. Um, but uh, some of the school districts really stepped up and, and offered buses and, and did pickups from certain locations to get students to their uh, pre-apprenticeship programs. So um, anybody else have anything to share there? If not, I think we'll we'll move on to our next question. Um, for YouthBuild, sometimes we do like community um, support during the morning. And usually after, after that, we'll have to go to work. So there were days where we used the um, van we have and they would drop me off at the bus station or at my job so I could be there on time because they know the taking the train the bus takes a while. So we do have a van in case like any of us we have to go to a job interview or air internship and they'll take us there. Yeah. That's a great idea. You know, and I think there have also been some great partnerships with rental agencies, car rental agencies. And that not only works in the metro areas, but it can work in the rural communities as well. So thanks for sharing that, Katana. And, and we'll move on to our, our next uh, question, which um, I'd like, Pharrell, I'm hoping you might be able to speak to um, first and would love to hear from everybody on the panel on this one. What are your ideas on how technology can help in the future of transportation? Any any thoughts? I just want to make sure you guys can hear me before I start talking. Yes. Yes, we can. Um, I feel like we're seeing that now in a sense because Uber and Lyft, we know that wasn't a thing about like 10, 15 years ago. People had to take taxis. And I feel like it honestly like advanced even more. Who knows, 10 years from now, you will be able to probably, hey, I want to go X, Y, Z, be able to speak into your phone. And then there's a car outside of your house within like two minutes waiting to take you to your next destination. You never yeah. know. Yeah. And that could be an autonomous vehicle, couldn't it, Pharrell? <laughs> it's just yeah, not even a driver in there. Yeah. How about so other Yep. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, Beth. So, so Pharrell, I think I think we're we're almost there to that point now. Believe it or not, um, I, I, it, so one of the one of the areas or one of the uh, 
industries that we're looking to attract in Middlesex County is autonomous technology. And certainly part of that is autonomous vehicles. And there are already test vehicles um, in New Brunswick to help to take students from parts of New Brunswick into the Rutgers campus and, and to take people uh, to, you know, medical appointments and things like that. So it, that, that technology is already here. It's just, um, you know, obviously that infrastructure is uh, costly. And so uh, you're going to see that happening more and more uh, within the next several years where uh, the scenario that you presented is right on the money. You're going to be able to speak into your phone and say, hey, I, this is where I want to go. You're going to be able to walk out of your house and within a couple of minutes, a, our driverless car is going to pull up. Op you open the door, you get in, and it's going to take you where you need to go. Um, and, you know, that is um, something that is really right on the cusp of happening very soon. So um, that will also be, I think, a solution to some of the transportation gaps that we see in areas. Um, again, and um, not, not only from the standpoint of solving those issues, but, you know, that industry is going to need people uh, to develop programs and to develop technology. So it's also a great opportunity for apprenticeships, right? We want to connect everything together. And it's a, a great, uh, I think, uh, an industry that is really exciting uh, for individuals to look at and say, hey, I could be part of something that's going to uh, contribute to technology in the future. So, uh, so Pharrell, you're right on the money with that. So uh, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate your comments. Thanks, Kevin. Anybody else want to jump in here? Yeah, I'll, I'll just say, you know, this is a bit of a tech solution, although not maybe specific to transportation, but I think it helps us address transportation, is thinking about how we can offer through apprenticeship more hybrid training opportunities. And I think this has been said by, you know, a few of us on the panel today, but being able to bring the training to the apprentice or allow an apprentice to engage in the training without having to, to drive or get on the bus or take an Uber, you know, that's kind of a way to start kind of addressing some of what's coming up around transportation. And, you know, we certainly saw through the pandemic, the shift to online learning and hybrid models in pre-apprenticeship and apprenticeship, it can be done. So, you know, I think the more that we explore creativity and how just apprenticeship in general is designed can really at least help us initially start to get to, to transportation, acknowledging that we need some longer term um, solutions to these these very big challenges. Yeah, one of, one of our carpenters unions in New Jersey uh, now has a hybrid model where they provide some of their classroom training online. And again, it, it helps with uh, the transportation issues and, and just it just they find it more efficient. And a lot of times, much like like we see even in WIOA with some of our other programs that uh, people are really um, excited about participating in online programs and um, they seem to do better in some cases. So I think there's a, an argument that can be made for uh, leveraging technology. Uh, with apprenticeship wherever possible, especially pre-apprenticeship and, and the classroom portions of it. Thank you for that, Kevin. And that really, uh, both of your your comments makes me think of a little bit about a couple of places to really watch for some opportunities for new funding. One is in USDA and rural development, and the other is in the Department of Commerce in the EDA, um, uh, because the discussion for EDA, it's about they're making investments in broadband, but they're diversifying beyond just putting the last mile of broadband in line, but it's about 
teaching digital literacy and also getting devices in the hands of, of uh, folks uh, like apprentices and others that um, can really need, need those resources, right, to support um, their remote learning, you know, um, so that they don't necessarily have to go to a Taco Bell and sit in the parking lot so that they can, can um, uh, participate in a class. Um, and then also um, with rural development, uh, Workforce, they're they're getting ready to push out a significant amount of money across the country, and specifically targeted for rural economic development, of which workforce development is a key component of that. And so, looking for those opportunities to leverage those resources to advance the technological. Um, uh, infrastructure of your apprenticeship programs is really uh, 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 something to think about and keep an eye on. Um, and, and those are going to be really soon. I mean, it's, you know, not, it's around the corner with the infrastructure money that is out there and other resources yet to come. Um, uh, those are really important. Does anybody else have anything around the, the, technology or what you see as uh, some future solutions, you know, in our Jetsons age, if you will, of uh, transportation um, and transportation support within um, our pre-apprenticeship and reg registered apprenticeships. Well, you know, again, I think, you know, uh, the discussion we just had about autonomous vehicles um, and also about um, online learning, I think, um, are the two probably areas that will have a major impact in the future on apprenticeship programs and and, and just training for workforce development training programs in general. So yeah. um, and, and there may be some other innovations we can look at, too. I think that a lot of times uh, workforce development is sometimes lags behind in the use of technology and, and even with things like social media, um, creating content and things like that that can help attract people into apprenticeship programs um, because a lot of it you know a lot of times you get the buy-in from the employer and then it's and then it's okay how can we recruit people and how do we make them aware of what an apprenticeship program is and what kind of skills it can provide and an opportunity not only to learn but to make money at the same time so um, I think social media is a very powerful tool that uh, as I said in workforce development sometimes we don't always um, use use the tools that are available to us we kind of lag behind um, and there and there are some workforce development boards across the country you know, in El Paso, they're doing a tremendous job in, in getting out content to individuals, um, including their apprenticeship programs. So um, the uh, workforce development site or the workforce development board out there is Borderplex. And if you get a chance to go on their website, uh, it's tremendous to look at. They, they even have uh, one of their employees who is kind of like their mascot. Um, and he answers questions for people um, through social media. So I think that's one of the areas that, that could really be enhanced for uh, recruiting people into apprenticeships. Thanks for that, Kevin. And before I, anyone else has the opportunity, I just want to give those who are in the audience the opportunity to put some questions in the chat for our panelists. Um, we'll be taking those in about five minutes. So feel free to post your questions and we'll, we'll present those to these uh, very qualified experts in this topic area. Anybody else want to share anything along the, the, the future as you see it um, and transportation solutions? You, you know, I think something that um, I, I've heard is kind of a through line for our conversation is just really the importance of, of partnerships and financial investments and, you know, transportation, like any challenge, cannot be managed or solved by any one entity or, or person. And, um, you know, Kevin, thinking about what you're sharing around workforce boards, it's making me think that, 
you know, there are opportunities, I think, in, in the future to really be thinking about how we support our workforce development boards. I, you know, I, I do a lot of work with rural boards who are often two or three people doing a lot, a lot of work across a very large area. Um, and so how we provide funding and support to our boards who are a really key player in workforce development, but then how other agencies, to your point, Beth, like EDA, are investing in economic development of which workforce is a really crucial component. And how are they thinking about transportation? And so how are we, how are we through our work and how are our partners sort of messaging the importance of transportation being addressed through funding across all of these different streams and partners? For me, I think that's a really big part of our future solutions is starting to build out, you know, that apprenticeship ecosystem and bringing those partners to the table on all of the challenges that come up, um, not just for apprentices, but for workers and learners in general. Yeah, so true. And we should have a wide and open tent, right? Um, and and all comers from the community, they, they may come from places that we don't anticipate, but have, whether it's uh, the United Way or um, uh, community foundations or um, uh, activist groups that are associated with bringing about equity um, and access to to those of us uh, uh, in the in communities that you know when when transportation systems were designed they weren't designed to serve the full community they were really designed to serve certain segments of the population and we really need to take a step back sometimes we need to take a look at policies that exist and retool them for uh, uh, the uh, environment we are in today and the environment that we want uh, for the future for everyone who lives in our community so appreciate that i um, am excited uh, to see some questions that our panel uh, that you have for our panelists so please feel free oh we have one we have a question from twitter um, and this one's for you kevin uh, you discussed a private partnership how do you get the employer on board with this what's your strategy so it's really just having, um, you know, what I like to call a courageous conversation with uh, employers and really being honest with them and saying, you know, this is the reality in our particular area. And uh, we have to look at uh, how we can work together to solve this. And so, uh, you know, we explain to them that if they have resources available um, that, you know, that they could utilize for transportation, we would like to look at what those resources could be and then how we can leverage some of our public dollars so that it's truly, uh, you know, a, a uh, a situation where you have both people or both partners bringing something to the table. So, uh, and, and my experience has been, you know, usually, believe it or not, um, and I hate to say this, but a lot of times the smaller businesses are more open to it than the large corporations. So, uh, for whatever reason, and um, it's usually easier to have those conversations with with smaller type businesses, uh, which you, you think would be the other way around. Um, and then again, in our county, um, you know, we've established a Department of Transportation, so uh, which has been around now for about three or four years and I can I usually bring them into the conversation to also talk about any other solutions that they may have um, that may not cost the employer money so um, we always try to bring solutions to them as opposed to just saying well you know we need you to put money on the table um, but but it, it's a conversation that we have and um, we're just honest about it and and really share the facts with employers and and they're usually open um, so it's just you know I think in the spirit of collaboration um, they're happy to, to work with us. Yeah, I think one of the other key things is that with apprenticeship, we've shifted from just the employer sponsor and the uh, uh, to uh, 
industry association partnerships, community college sponsored uh, sponsors, local board sponsors. So you don't have to have that conversation one-on-one with employers. You can talk to groups of employers within settings, whether it's a sector partnership or an industry association or others. The demand for the workforce is so great. You shouldn't be afraid to have the conversation for the the employers. And like you said, small businesses are oftentimes uh, uh, the ones who are struggling the most with their workforce challenges in this environment. And so don't be afraid to have those conversations with them. Thank you, Kevin, for that. Sure. Um, our next question, and this one's for the panel, um, how can technology be used to help transportation? I think we've talked a little bit about this, but you might have been, you might have some additional thoughts now that we've talked through this a little bit. So feel free to jump in, anybody. Well, so I'll just say in a more general sense, I think that that technology um, can provide opportunities for innovation when you talk about um, transportation, right? So, you know, we talked about autonomous vehicles, we talked about online learning, um, but, you know, I, I think that when, when you look at the potential that's there to leverage technology uh, in many different ways, uh, you know, when you look at an apprenticeship program or a job training program, I think there are other ways that um, that workforce development boards and apprenticeship partners um, can start having some discussions about how to really leverage technology. So, I mean, I can't point to a specific example right now, but I certainly think that um, when we talk about innovation, right, and, you know, we owe a, uh, it, you know, innovation is part of WIOA, right? Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act. Uh, it, sure, it certainly should provide us with some opportunities to look at other ways and explore uh, po- potential solutions to uh, some of these transportation issues that we encounter. Beth, I can jump in here as well. Um, You know, not directly related to transportation and technology, but then when, you know, Erica, our youth apprentice had issues with transportation, we were able to pivot pivot to a remote apprenticeship completely. So that also might be an issue, you know, solution to um, transportation issues. You know, if there are you know, months in the year or, 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 or remote apprenticeship is possible um, for programs to consider that would be a great way to support, continue to support apprentices. And, and there's a burgeoning field of simulation learning. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is another way um, that folks can take advantage of technology to support it. Looks like we have another question in the queue team. Um, So this question says, has anyone worked with a temp or a day labor company that offers transportation to their employees, setting up an agreement with them to use their transportation. Anybody want to speak to that directly? I can say we use that in school to work in Kentucky and it was really very helpful. So again, dating myself. (laughs) Anybody want to speak to that or have experience with that? So I will just say that we have found that to be a really great working relationship. Having, um, uh, in some situations, actually the the temp agency even being the employer of record um, to deal with some of the insurance issues and liability issues that attorneys and companies often have. Um, um, so it, it was a multi-factor um, solution. It, it helped both with the transportation and it um, also helped with some of the um, uh, 
uh, red flags that some employers or their attorneys may throw up in regard to having apprentices on, on site or pre-apprentices on site. So um, thanks for that question. Next one. This one's for Katana and Pharrell. What other options would you have for transportation without support of UCC Youth Build? Any thoughts you want to share? And Katana, it, I think we're going to go to you because Pharrell's having a little tech, some technological issues. Um, well, other than the help of UCC Youth Build, I would just usually take the bus and the train. Um, it's only one bus in the PATH train to go to Jersey City, the World Trade Center, or I would take the one that goes straight to Jersey City. But other than that, it's really only Uber, and that costs too much, so I wouldn't have any options right now. Gotcha. And Pharrell, welcome back. So um, what would be your options for transportation if you didn't have the UCC uh, Youth Build support? That was the question. You may have missed that when we were... Oh, um, personally, me, I have a vehicle, so I feel like that's a, a great option. Yeah. To get back and forth, it really helps a lot. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, I think one of the, the things that I've seen in a number of workforce programs, inclusive of pre-apprenticeship and apprenticeship is the whole empowerment mentality, which is to work with apprentices to think about creative solutions, whether it's family members or others that are in their community that are working at the company that might be able to provide a, a ride um, to the, the work site. And, and so um, thinking about it from an empowerment uh, standpoint and coming up with creative solutions that are anchored in in your community, your family, um, uh, could be some things to think about too. So our next question, um, which came from Twitter, um, is for the panel. I, I live in a rural area and what to get involved and want to get involved in apprenticeship. What is the best way to get started? Looks like Bhavani, you you have unmuted. Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, we're actually happy to help um, you know folks uh, connect folks with um, um, with apprenticeship programs. Now, I'm not sure if this uh, question from Twitter was an employer that is looking to start an apprenticeship program or, or an apprentice. But either way, if you can email us at apprenticeship at urban dot org, um, we are happy to um, you know talk talk with you and help you um, with, with your questions and find you some answers. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just chime in quick, Beth, and say too, you know, um, definitely working with your local workforce development board, you know, they're going to know a lot about the apprenticeship opportunities in the area. I, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of working uh, in Jasper, Texas over the last few years with the Deep East Texas College and Career Academy. And they actually became a registered apprenticeship sponsor. So they're part of our AEMF project, which is uh, a DOL project focused on engaging young adults 16 to 24 in the registered apprenticeship system. There were no opportunities in the area. Employers didn't really understand what it was. There were some fears and misconceptions. And, you know, they went to their lo local workforce board and we, we helped them to kind of build their own internal knowledge around it. They partnered with the board to become a sponsor. And now they are developing programs with employers. 
So I cannot underscore enough how important your local board is. Uh, apprenticeship.gov has some great resources. Uh, folks like Bhavani and her team at Urban uh, who are doing phenomenal apprenticeship work. JFF is doing a lot of apprenticeship work as well. So definitely, you know, there are these great national resources, but also a lot that might be happening in your community that you may not be aware of. And the board can really be, I think, a great kind of on the ground partner to help you start to sort of understand what the apprenticeship system is looking like and what those opportunities might be. Thank you, Vanessa, for that. Thank you, Bhavani. And for everyone on this panel, thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your perspective, and your experiences with us. I know that the folks who are participating from all across the country um, appreciate what you shared, the practical advice, um, the thoughtfulness around place and cost how technology can help us, um, the, the vitality of public-private partnerships, including and uh, our, our employers in that, and the real-life benefits that Katana and Pharrell have shared with us. I can't thank you enough. Um, we want to thank uh, Net America for bringing us together for this conversation, and uh, we hope that you enjoy the rest of the meeting. And with that, I'm going to turn it back to John Scott, or Short. Apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no problem, Beth. No problem. Um, next, we have our literacy panel that focuses on cultural health, workplace, and digital literacy. I'm going to hand it over to my colleague, uh, Dr. Padma Aravind, who will lead off this session for us. Thank you all again so much, and. Please feel free to contact us with any more questions you may have, and we will get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you.